You're listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent in Birmingham, Alabama, a church with a heart for the gospel. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org. All right, so this is week two of our class on the collects. So last week, we talked about the structure of the collects, and then we gave an example of a collect. So we're just a brief recap, especially for those who weren't here, and it's in front of you if you're worried about it. If you're watching or listening online, I'll talk you through it, so we'll figure it out. Uh, but right there in front of you is the structure of a collect. And I said at the beginning of last week's class that less so is this a class about giving you information about the collects in particular. I'm gonna give you some of that, right? I gave you a reflection last week. This class is more about tools on how to pray in your everyday life, particularly for those like me who have a really hard time praying. Maybe you're like me and you're like, what am I praying for? God's all-knowing, God's all-powerful. What am I doing here? Or maybe you're like me in other ways and you just doubt all the time, despite having been ordained, despite preaching every week, and you're just like, man, I just don't have any words to pray. Well, the colleagues are perfect for you. And if you got all of your act together and you pray, you know, 35 minutes every morning, and kudos to you, I'm really not making fun of it. I, I wish I had that intention span. Teach me, teach me your ways. But this can be helpful for, if you want to, maybe you're bored of the acts way of praying. This is another way of praying and an ancient way of praying. Um, but more than anything, again, keep your bulletins after church, bring it home and pray those colics every single day for the next six days till we have a new one. I'm telling you that you don't have to pray anything else, just that collect. And for those of you who go through long periods of dry spells and not praying at all, you might just, you know, you got a whole paragraph. It's not that hard. So that said, let's talk about the collect of the day structure. Again, I love these because they're so meaty, they're so concise, and yet we are standing on the shoulders of giants here. These have been composed, edited, re-edited. So, of course, our extemporaneous prayers are great, and we should continue to pray them. But why not incorporate into our prayer life people's prayers who have thought about these prayers forever, and they're so rich. So, let's go into the structure, like I said we were going to a second ago. <laughs> so, there are five components to the structure, right? There's an address. The address is to God, pretty simple. There's an acknowledgement, which is more specific about God's character. We're going to take a look at an example in a second. We have the petition, which is three, which is what we actually came to pray for, or our ask. An aspiration, which is, so we, we ask for grace so that we might you know, walk in the light. Uh, that's the aspiration. And then five is the pleading the really long part, through our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, yada, yada. Uh, the yada, yada is actually very important. <laughs> so why don't we, we, we say this prayer. Uh, what I'm going to try to do today is get through two colics, get through two colics and reflections, depending on time. If we don't have time, it's okay. Uh, but again, I'm giving you tools here. So the first collect, why don't we say it together just like last week, like a prayer. Almighty God, whose blessed Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted by Satan, come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. And as you know the weaknesses of each of us, 
Let each one find you mighty save through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. So this maybe is familiar to you. This was the collect for the first Sunday of Lent. So we have Ash Wednesday and special days like Ash Wednesday. They had their own collect. But the Sunday right after Ash Wednesday, when we said the great litany, remember that really long, we're sorry for this, sorry for that. <laughs> you didn't realize how many things you had to be sorry for. <laughs> uh, but this is the collect for that day. So what, who are we addressing? We're addressing God. And in the address, we're saying something about God here, right? Almighty God. It's not always Almighty God. If you look down to the collect for the fourth Sunday of Lent, that address is Gracious Father. Again, these addresses are more than just, thank you, Lord. It's, it's kind of like telling God back who God is. And usually that's an indicator for what our ask might be. So the address is to Almighty God, the acknowledgement whose blessed son was led by the spirit to be tempted by Satan. So we're acknowledging, we're praying to God, we're saying, you led your blessed son or by, by the spirit to be tempted by Satan. What are we asking for? Come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. I love that, right? Like, think about temptations in your life. We talked about this a little bit. Uh, it, they're not cute, right? I mean, sometimes we talk about temptation like it's cute, like, you know, the candy jar someone is, you know, trying to stick their fingers into. But here we have the language of the, there's an enemy who is assaulting us. And I don't know, when it comes to real stuff, this is how I experience temptation. These are giving me words for how I experience it. Uh, so the, again, the petition is come quickly to help us who are assaulted by many temptations. Uh, you know, you know the weaknesses of each of us. And so the aspiration, uh, so that, or let each one find you mighty to save. So come quickly, so that we might find you mighty to save. And then the pleading through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God. All right, so with that in mind, and maybe just keep that out, I'm gonna give a little reflection on this collect. So, look up here. In the traditional rendering of the Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer that we said a second ago, that's the traditional rendering. It's a great translation. It's the translation that I love. In it, we say, lead us not into temptation. But in this collect, we say that the Son was led by the Spirit to be tempted. So which is it? Does God lead us into temptation or does he not? Now, I think what sheds a little bit of light on this, and I'm thankful for this, there are two versions of the Lord's Prayer in the Book of Common Prayer. And a lot of, you know, some biblical scholars say that the more accurate translation for lead us not into temptation is save us from the time of trial. Hear that? Lead us not into temptation. Save us from the time of trial. A difference in meaning highlights that God tests and the adversary tempts. Does that make sense? It's a very, you know, it's like a razor thin, cutting through a hair. God tests. Satan tempts. And the difference we're saying is that the reason why we split the hairs there is God's trials, we say save us from the time of trial. 
God's trials are designed to strengthen us and to prove us, whereas the enemy wants to destroy us. So maybe that seems like it's not really a, a needful distinction, but I think it, it is when you think about it like that. So there's this great Puritan writer. His name is Thomas Brooks. He's got this book called Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. He's a good Puritan from you know, the 17th century. They have to have outlandish titles, but it's a pretty good one, right? Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices. And in his book, he likens the devil, the one who wants to destroy us, who is tempting us, to a fisherman. He writes that the enemy tempts us by presenting the bait, but hiding the hook. The bait is the initial short-term pleasure gained from capitulating to sin, and the hidden hook is the long-term consequence that assaults us, and not just assaults us, but entraps us, right? Have you experienced that? I'm speaking about myself, not about you, but sometimes when I do that thing that's not sexy, that I capitulate to temptation over and over again, I find myself that I, it's like I can't not capitulate. I'm trapped. Thomas Brooks says, that is what the, the, the devil has presented me with the bait, and I've just, the hook has me. It's got me good. I need someone to deliver me. So while at times, and I said this a little bit last week, temptation really can seem like this kind of harmless thing or, or, or worse, right? It might be, we might perceive it when, when we capitulate to it, right? We're like, it's actually the better way. It's actually the weekend in Cabo that I talked about last week. And then, but I, I, I find it helpful. And again, this collect is for the beginning of Lent. It shapes the 40 days ahead. I find it helpful to really sink into this, the language here. We are assaulted by these temptations. Last week, I, right, I said, like, we need to, Lent is an invitation for us to view sin as a porta potty, right? Porta potties are gross. I, that long distance runner friend of mine, he says that's the last place in the world you'd ever want to spend your time. St. Paul, right, he says it's like returning back to your own vomit. I'm very much intentionally giving you gross images because this according to the scriptures and the collect, is what sin is. And it assaults us. It entraps us. So, what, how do we, how do we, imagine someone says, you know, I, I want to go back to my own vomit. Or imagine someone says, I, you know, I love spending time in porta potties. I bring books in there. I, you know, I'm scrolling on Instagram. You, you name it. Um, this would be like making your home in a place of death. That is a picture. That is what Brooks is presenting us with. He is saying that the long-term consequences of the enemy's hidden hook are like we're finding ourselves loving being in porta potties. The thing is, it's great that you and I, if we were to leave here today and tell ourselves, well, I'm going to view sin as vomit. I'm going to see it as a porta potty I'm trying to say those words as much as I can. <laughs> see how long I'm getting away with it. Uh, but, but knowing how bad sin is isn't enough. Knowing that it's harmful won't keep us from capitulating to it. Again, what does the colic say? We are assaulted by many temptations. And the devil 
in the scriptures is presented as the strong man. The strong man is against us, and we are not that strong. So unlike what Plato said, Plato was right about a lot of things, merely knowing the good or knowing what isn't good will not save us. The reason we pray this prayer, the reason we say come quickly, is because we need a rescue mission. We need help from outside of us. This God, as the Collect says, knows the weaknesses of each of us. He knows our weaknesses. He knows we can't stand up to the strong man's assaults. He alone can deliver us. Only he had the power to pass every test, to withstand every temptation. And so we pray, come quickly. And as it says later, you who are mighty to save. And essentially we're saying, you know, we're, we're trying to view sin as the porta potty it is, but you have, to, you have to instill that. You have to birth that in us. Uh, and to put it less negatively, to see the good to see what you created us for to be the thing that we want. You have to liberate us from this, these assaults and this entrapment. So that's, that's, all, that's the thoughts I had for the first collect. Does anything stand out to you? About, I mean, it could be about what I said. It could be about the collect in particular um, before we potentially move on to the collect for this Sunday, the collect for today. Um, anything about the language, anything? But you don't have to have anything. Yeah, that's good. I'll say that back to the folks listening online. But um, person on the floor <laughs> said, uh, "Be like that." The language is you gotta. It's not just help us, right? It's save or deliver, deliver us. Yeah, oh, I, I, a hundred percent. I love the. It's almost like there's an, a, a crisis. There's an urgency. Assaults deliver. We're not messing around here. This isn't cute. Um, a lot of times when we think about, you know, the narrative of salvation, right? We talk about God and humanity. God creates the world good. We're created good. We sin. God has to reconcile us to himself. That's true. But this is where Fleming Relage and read all her books. They're amazing. But where she is so helpful is she makes clear to us that there are three characters in the narrative, at least. But three characters, there's, there's God, there's humanity, and there's the strong man. And oftentimes, we are entrapped by the strong man, and we need a power stronger than the strong man, a power from outside of us to deliver us. So, you know, you, you made a perfectly, perfectly great point, and I had to make a sermon out of it. So, anybody else? <laughs> yeah. Are you talking about the whole, like, whose blessed son was led by the, yeah. Yeah, he's been there. He overcame the strong man. He withstood. Uh, the colics, there's a colic for every Sunday. Yeah. I would say yes. I would say the Lenten colics, especially the, the one we looked at last week, is really diving into the Lenten season. Now, maybe it's not going to talk about temptation every time, but there's a whole lot of, uh, you know, Moses deliver us kind of language. Uh, does that make sense? Uh, but yes, and then Advent very similarly uh, reflects the Advent season. And then there's a whole lot of ordinary time, which is most of our lives. Uh, 
But yeah, that's a great, great question, great point. Uh, that is actually a great question. I think a lot of times it's about us because it's in the context of the church, the gathered community. But you will find where it goes at to each of us. And, and you're right. Yeah, that's, that, that can be really hit our situation. But yeah, whenever it says us, it means you. It means me, too. So, yeah, yeah. It's uh, Hebrews, right? Yeah. But no, 100%. I, yeah. That was, you know, my, my weaknesses are different than yours. Some of them might be the same. Yeah, I often, I mean, I don't mean this to sound cute. I oftentimes just forget that. Like, whenever I'm tempted to cut a corner, I'm just like, oh, no one's ever going to find out. And sometimes no one ever does. You know what I mean? Like, you hear those morality plays when you're a kid, and it's like, someone's going to find out. And oftentimes they do, <laughs> in case you're thinking you're going to do it. But sometimes just no one's going to find out. But like you said, someone's going to find out. I don't mean for that to be like some scary thing. There's lots of grace, but you know, but at the same time, right? We don't want to return back to our vomit. I won't use the other one. And that's part of it. I know, I know. Just gotta make sure you're awake out there. All right, we can move to the next collect? All right. Uh, so bring back your, your paper. Let me bring back my paper. And why don't we say this collect? So this is the collect for today. Uh, and this is a unique one in terms of the Latin ones. This one is one that maybe we don't emphasize as much in the kind of low church Protestantism. But here, here we go. Let's pray it. Gracious Father, whose blessed Son, Jesus Christ, came down from heaven to be the true bread which gives life to the world, evermore give us this bread that he may live in us and we in him, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever. Amen. All right, so the address, gracious Father, so Almighty Father, gracious Father, the acknowledgement, whose blessed Son came down from heaven to be the true bread which gives life to the world. The petition, evermore give us this bread, aspiration, so that or that he may live in us and we in him, the pleading who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. All right. So why don't we just we jump into the reflection and we can back up. So maybe you guys have been to other Episcopal churches and they, when the minister gives out communion, they say the body of Christ. The bread of heaven. Don't throw any stones at me. That's not my favorite way of saying it either. I find it pretty hokey. The body of Christ. The bread of heaven. The alternative, right? The one that we say. The body of Christ. Which is given for the preserve thy body and soul and everlasting life. That version to me has more gravitas. Whereas the former version strikes me as sentimental at best. But I have to admit. I was wrong. I'm wrong. In the book of Exodus, the people of God are sustained by the bread of heaven in the wilderness. Today's collect says, Christ came down from heaven to be the true bread, which gives life to the world. The Gospel of John makes clear that Jesus is the new and better manna. 
And at the Eucharist, we are fed with God's blessed Son. Now, don't worry. I'm not giving transubstantiation to you. I'm doing what Luther and Calvin do, even Cranmer. So we're just taking Holy Communion seriously. Again, hold your stones. I don't know if you guys ever had this experience, but when I was in college, I attended an Episcopal church for the very first time. It didn't, doesn't have to be an Episcopal church. It can be any liturgical church. Um, but I was, and this is a true story. This isn't like hypothetical. Uh, I was new to the community. Uh, it, was a, it was a church plant, and it attracted evangelicals from the local Christian college that I went to. A lot of us were liberal arts majors and kind of what I talked about a little bit last week. Um, as much as I'm very grateful for the traditions that form me, which were Christian Missionary Alliance, which is kind of like a non-denominational church. It was great. It taught me to love Jesus. I'm forever indebted to them. But when I studied ancient history, I was like, I need something that's more than 25 years old. Again, I'm not throwing any, I'm an ecumenical guy. I'm about Christians being for each other, not about we're better than them. What I needed for me was something that was a little bit more rooted, if that makes sense. So at this church, we had communion every single week. And, you know, growing up with communion once a month, and we didn't really know what to do with it when we were doing it, or at least I didn't, I'm sure other people did. And, and this is, again, no slam. But for me, I needed, I, I realized that I, I grew to start anticipating it. Like, I, I couldn't wait for it. And I remember um, seeing other students, particularly from this school, who would have tears in their eyes as they slowly moved toward the Lord's table, as they kind of waited in line to get there. And what we found was that we started to believe that we were encountering Jesus there, that we were encountering Jesus. Of course, we encountered Jesus in Scripture, and we encountered Jesus in the preached Word, and God can encounter us however God wants but we found ourselves encountering it here. We expected this bread to give us life, to heal us. So while the true bread of this collect, it, it definitely refers to Holy Communion. Again, this is why when it, this collect is a little bit different than a lot of the ones we're used to. Don't worry, it also includes the preached word. Um, in the sixth chapter of John, right? Most, most scholars tend to think, that when, when Jesus has that whole long thing about how I am the bread of life, and you remember during that part of the year we have six Sundays in a row, bread of life sermons, it's disaster for a, a preacher. Like, what, what am I going to say for the fifth and sixth times about the bread of life? It's not actually a disaster. But this colic is based on that prayer. And in that prayer, the new manna, because Jesus calls himself essentially the new and better manna, Right? They ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. I and the bread, you'll never die. Uh, this includes the entirety of what we call the Holy Eucharist. Now, when you think of Eucharist, right, you think Holy Communion. But Eucharist does not mean Holy Communion. Eucharist means the liturgy of the word and Holy Communion. So, in this college, it's helpful to know this because when, what this college is talking about when it talks about the bread of heaven, or the true bread. Uh, it's talking about Holy Communion and the word preached and read. This food, according to the Collect, is food that is eaten and heard 
it heals us, it sustains us, and it enlivens us. I'll go back to that story. My college friends and I made that church plant our home. We kept going back because we were consistently fed by the preaching and the sacraments. We found ourselves satisfied, but at the same time, made aware of an infinite hunger. Does that make sense? Simultaneously satisfied. We came forward. We came to expect that we'd encounter Christ through the preaching of, of the sermon. And it was a student of Paul's also. It was like, you know, radical, foolproof gospel. It was pretty awesome. But we also had Holy Communion. And we found that the more we consumed, the more we heard, the more we ate, we needed, we needed more. It was, there was an, an infinite need. But as we were consistently nourished, as we were consistently satisfied, even though we were made aware that this only scratches the surface, we started to see that we were becoming what we ate. Namely, a community that was defined by grace. We were hearing grace preached. We were being a, given a gift. We were being given grace. So I think what this collect is really getting at in this, because we don't just say, hey, give, give me bread. Give me the preached word. Give me Holy Communion. We say, evermore give us this bread. Evermore. And evermore isn't even just this life. It's forever. Now, we don't know what that's going to look like in the life to come. But what I think is helpful with this prayer, and what I'm trying to say to you, and this is helpful for me, I don't know if any of you guys have watched that show, The Good Place. No one's watched The Good Place. Uh, maybe, maybe the show, uh, this is going to show me for the nerd that I am, uh, um, Picard, the, the new Star Trek show, which is actually pretty awful. But uh, I love Star Trek The Next Generation, so I'll watch every single one. Um, but they, the, the endings for The Good Place and Picard are the exact same. It's as if they were stolen from another. Uh, and it's all really kind of based on this novel. Um, and at the ending of the novel, at the end of those shows, uh, they go to the good place, the real good place. And what happens? They're in paradise. And after a couple generations, they get bored. The good place, paradise isn't so good anymore. And it's really what the show is doing, what the shows are doing, what the author is doing, is critiquing, not merely Christians, but theists, right? This critiquing, more particularly, the notion of the afterlife or life after death. I mean, what do you want to live forever for? Like, we, you know, you get bored in where you're at. How are you not going to get bored? What the early church fathers said, as they anticipated this, or they thought through this, reading their scriptures, what they said is that heaven or paradise is a place where we're always learning. It's not like we get to heaven and we know everything or we've experienced God in God's fullness because God is like an infinite ocean. And you and I, though we are blessed to know God in Jesus Christ through his saving work on the cross, we've only really gone ankle deep. If we, if we thought we knew it all, well then yeah, I mean, heaven's going to be pretty boring. Like, oh, okay, okay. 
Um, but here's, I mean, heaven's going to be fun. Heaven's going to be this, we're going to be learning more and more. We're going to get a little bit deeper than the ankle or the knee that we're like into this vast infinite ocean. So the satisfaction that comes from experiencing the gospel, from taking communion, from hearing the gospel read and preached, combined with the realization that we have an unending need leads us to pray to present our ask evermore give us this bread like the israelites in the wilderness we want more of this life-giving feast that we find where in healthy churches and gracious communities places like the cathedral church of the advent i really do think it's where, where you're going to find this bread is in a good church and unfortunately for a lot of our friends who might call themselves exvangelicals or whatever you want to call it, they've been in pretty unhealthy churches. Where are you going to find this bread? In your scriptures. Come to church. Gracious communities. This collect is really emphasizing it's in the word preached. It's in Holy Communion. What we really need here, as the Colic says, is the bread of heaven, or Jesus Christ, to live in us, as it goes, and we in him, so that we might continually be made whole. So, any thoughts on that, the Collect, anything at all? I usually only like to do one sermon, but today I did two, um, so and I probably have to go soon. But any, any, anything pop out at you? And you can feel free to disagree with me, too. That's fine. In the back, and then over here. And then I probably do actually have to go. Go ahead. Yeah. So Cranmer, no, let me check back at you for the first one. Cranmer did not write this one, but Cranmer only wrote a couple. Cranmer's contribution, which is mighty, is that he's a master writer, editor. And so he edited them for the 1549 and 1552 books of common prayer. And we have more or less kept his edits, you know, updated the language uh, here and there, but more or less we've kept, and then Kramer did write some. Uh, So, and then, as I said last week, a few of them that were a little too Catholic, he really edited. Um, So, yeah. Now, let me get back to you with what century these are from. Again, sometimes it's like a guess, because it's like, well, the earliest we have this is in the 7th century lexicon, where it was being prayed. But then something will pop up, and it's like, actually, it was the 5th. So uh, I can double-check that for next time. You've been listening to audio from the Cathedral Church of the Advent. If you live in Birmingham or find yourself visiting, we hope you'll join us for one of our Sunday services. Find out more at adventbirmingham.org.